You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. Hey, this is your host, Matt Breckwald, and we are just thrilled to have you here with us again today. Well, here in Idaho and, of course, in Oregon as well, we are seeing just unbelievable growth. We're getting all sorts of new neighbors and new people who want to come live among us. And there is just so much information flying around about what is going on and the numbers and where growth is going to stop and what's going on with our local economies and all of that that I decided I'd like to get the real scoop. So today we're going to be interviewing Samuel Wolkenhauer, who is a regional economist with the Idaho Department of Labor, and we are going to strive to answer these questions for you. How fast are we really growing? Where is the growth happening? How is that impacting jobs? How does the influx of large employers impact jobs in the community? Are wages going up? Where is rent going up? Where is it the most burdensome on people? All of these different questions with all of the different dynamics that we see going on right now in Idaho and Oregon. And then in a few weeks, I plan on doing the same exact thing for the state of Oregon. So stay tuned for that, hopefully in January, everybody. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Hey, you bet. I'm looking forward to you know finding out all about what's going on with, with all this growth we're seeing in Idaho. And uh, I was taken by surprise. You're coming to us from Post Falls. Oh, yeah. We're spread all over the state. Lots to do everywhere. Well, that's a very, very pretty place to live. I enjoy it for sure. I get around the state and I've liked all the parts of the state that I've been to, but I am a little biased and I do think northern Idaho is... About as pretty as it gets. <laughs> well, it's definitely, definitely a beautiful part of the state. Well, I wanted to do this. If we could, could I have you just start off by just kind of introducing yourself to our audience? Tell us what you do and, and what your job entails. Yeah, so uh, I'm an economist with the Idaho Department of Labor. So essentially what that means is we use data to try to help people make informed decisions. So whether it's employers wanting to know how much they should be paying an employee in a given uh, type of job title, whether it's urban planners or school districts or even state government, uh, we want to equip people to make informed decisions. And we do that by providing economic data and analysis for them. Very good. How did you get started doing this? I was very fortunate. I came into this job directly out of school. I studied math and economics in college. And this was about the only job you'd see with the the term economist actually in the job title. So I was really fortunate to to snag this one. Well, I, I am so interested in speaking with you because I, I live in, in CUNA, which is just outside of Boise and mm-hmm. south of Meridian. And we are just seeing just tremendous growth here in CUNA, but all over the Treasure Valley. Are you experiencing that up north as well? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Um, numerically, our growth's a little bit lower, but in percentage terms, um, northern Idaho, especially Kootenai County, is growing kind of a long pace with the Boise area because Idaho is the fastest growing state in the country. Yeah, that is amazing. Okay, so... Our listeners, so our main listeners are in Oregon, and then our main Idaho listeners are going to be in the Treasure Valley area all the way down through Twin Falls and the Magic Valley, two very, very rapidly growing areas. I wanted to ask you about that. So so how fast is Idaho actually growing right now? Idaho's population is, you know, it'll vary from year to year, but we're clocking right in there around 2% plus per year. 
which is really phenomenal because the national population is only growing at about half a percentage point per year. So Idaho is growing, you know, upwards of four times as quickly as the rest of the country. Wow, that's amazing. So uh, is that concentrated in any particular area? I know you said that in, in Kootenai County, you're seeing about the same percentage growth as, as we are seeing down here. What about Twin Falls County in that area? Uh, Twin Falls has been growing. Most of the growth has been concentrated in Idaho's urban areas. Mm-hmm. So that's going to include Twin Falls, the Boise, Ada Canyon area, Kootenai County, um, Idaho Falls, Pocatello, places like that. So Twin Falls County, for example, grew from about 70,000 people in 2005 to uh, almost 85,000 this past year. So you think about adding 15,000 people in about a decade to a a medium-sized county like that, that's Mm -hmm. pretty strong growth. Yeah, it's definitely noticeable, you know, in, in traffic and infrastructure and and construction and all of that. And and so where is everybody coming from? That's my wife always asks me that. Where is everybody coming from? Yeah, so there's there's been a lot of people moving from two areas of America. So you have people leaving coastal areas and they're mainly leaving there because the cost of living is so high. And especially if they own houses there, they can cash out and move to Idaho. And the house that you get for the same price in Idaho is, you know, incomparably greater than in a high priced area like the Bay Area or Seattle or Portland. Mm -hmm. So they're moving here for cost of living and, and because the quality of life is better, a bit of a slower pace. We've got a great clean environment. So, so that's a lot of it. You also have people moving out of the Rust Belt. And the people leaving the Rust Belt are mainly leaving because the economy's bad there. So Idaho has this nice mixture of a good economy and also great quality of life to draw people from these other areas of the country that are, that are losing people. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, I want to ask you more all about our new neighbors. Sounds good. It's a pretty super life here at D&B Supply, even for dogs and cats, because we now carry Wildology, the only pet food with Super Life Pro, a live probiotic blended with superfoods. Wildology is filled with the good stuff your pet needs to support a healthy body and immune system, like wholesome proteins, kale, chia seeds, and blueberries, because a healthy pet makes for a happy pet. Unleash your pet's superpower and pick up Wildology cat and dog food at your favorite D&B supply. After a long day on your feet, nothing feels better than slipping into some Twisted X moccasins. So pick up a pair at D&B Supply. These aren't your ordinary shoes. With roots and western boots, Twisted X creates handcrafted, comfortable moccasins that stand out from the pack. They capture the spirit of the American West from the design down to the soles. Find your new favorite comfort shoes with a pair of Twisted X moccasins available at your favorite D&B Supply. Well, Sam, you, as we were going out to the break, you mentioned that people moving in from the Rust Belt. So when you say Rust Belt, we're talking like Ohio, Michigan, that area? Is that where we're talking about? Yeah. So the states that we traditionally think of as the Rust Belt would be Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, places like that. And those are the slowest growing states in the country. So people are moving out of those areas and they're moving to the, the high growth areas. Mm-hmm. And that would be places like Idaho, Utah, Colorado, Arizona. So we've seen this, this really clear pattern of people leaving the Rust Belt 
and leaving high-priced coastal areas and moving to, I guess we could call it like the inner mountain west. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Idaho and Utah pretty consistently are going to be like number one and number two for population growth for about the last five years. Sometimes we flip-flop and sometimes they're in front and sometimes we're in front, but it's a really clear pattern that we're seeing. So in the in the numbers you look over and in the research you do and the people you come in contact with, the folks on the West Coast, you could see that maybe they considered Idaho and so they drove up here and checked it out. But people from, say, Indiana or Ohio, mm-hmm. are people coming out here blind or are they just going, hey, everything I've read makes it sound like a wonderful place? We're going. You know, anecdotally, we've had people that have come into our office that have just kind of packed up and come across and now they're here and they're looking for a job. I'm sure there's a mixture of it, but this has been going on for several years now. If you look at a map of the U.S. Mm-hmm. and you think of it as like a heat map in terms of where people are moving from and to, mm-hmm. the Rust Belt is this big cold patch. And then this stripe from Idaho on down through Utah and Nevada, that's the hot patch. And it's been that way for several years. Now, is there is there a predominant age category or occupation status of folks that are coming to join us here in Idaho? Well, uh, it's a lot of retirees, specifically in rural areas. You get more of a mixture in terms of age in the urban areas. Most of the growth out in the rural parts of Idaho has been in kind of that 55 and older age group. So they're either retired or they're, they're probably kind of on their last, the last leg of their working career. Mm-hmm. But in the urban areas, we have more of a mixture. Gotcha. Okay. So I want to ask you a little bit more about that. I mean, with the folks who are retired and they're on a fixed income, it makes, you know, all the sense in the world to say, cash out the equity in a home and move to an area where they could cash flow a house and, and have a lower cost of living and a better standard of living and, and all of that. That makes a lot of sense. Now, when it comes to folks who are working, uh, what kind of jobs are they moving into when they get here? Well, uh, we have a lot of openings in the trades. People are, construction firms are really hungry for tradesmen. Mm-hmm. There's also been a lot of growth in our healthcare sector. That's kind of the number one driver of employment in the modern economy is healthcare. And a lot of what we see with people who are moving here to work is there are people who are ready to start families. So you see a lot of young people who maybe they move to, they move to a city mm-hmm. on the coast. They move to Seattle, say, and they kind of get their fill of that and they get married. They're ready to start a family and it's prohibitively expensive there. And so what they, what they end up doing is they move back to Idaho. Often these are people who grew up in Idaho mm-hmm. and they move back when they're ready to start a family because it's just, it's cost prohibitive to do so in some of the, the coastal areas. So you see that young families are kind of following the same financial logic that the retirees are. Makes sense. So it's, it's a bit of a stage of life thing, it sounds like. I think so, especially because if you look at millennials, the oldest millennials are now getting into their 30s and they're starting to they're, they're starting their families and so I think we're seeing that shift as the millennials kind of move past their their wild years and are ready to settle down they they want to move where it's where where it makes financial sense to do that. Now you mentioned people coming to your office and showing up and saying I'm here and I need to find a job. So uh, I know that we've got jobs for those folks. What is the unemployment rate we're seeing in in Idaho right now? Well, we're going to have a new one tomorrow. It's uh, that time of month to release the new rate. 
But in Idaho, we've been having rates down under 3%, and there's some seasonal fluctuations, but really quite historically historically low for us because typically we think of 5% as kind of the the level where unemployment is bottomed out. And historically that would have been true, but over the last year we've pushed well below that. So we're having this historically low unemployment. Now I've always wondered when, when we're going through like a boom phase like this or something like that, with all this construction going on and all this work in the trades, what happens with those jobs with that historically low unemployment if and when it actually slows down? Well, we don't necessarily see any evidence that it's going to slow down right now. But frankly, in most of the trades in construction, uh, we also see this in healthcare. the prevailing condition is a labor shortage. Uh, employers, you know, in my area, it seems like they're moving dirt to pretty much any available corner because there's so much construction going on mm-hmm. and they're really hungry for workers. So this last month, the unemployment rate was 2.7%, which is just astronomically low. Mm-hmm. And if you go to one of our job fairs, what you find is that the number of open positions outnumbers the job seekers, you know, by a ratio of four or even five to one. Wow. So there's nowhere near enough job seekers showing up to fill all the open positions. So now, uh, you know, just simple microeconomics, and here I have got an, an economist on the phone. So you've got more demand for the employees than we have supply. Does that mean that wages are going up? Yeah, and we've been we've been kind of waiting for that to show up in the data. And over the last year or so, we've been seeing wages kind of starting to rise a little bit faster, crossing over like that 2% mark. Mm-hmm that we want to see because that means that people are their wages are rising faster than inflation which is obviously important to us um, because we want them to be making real gains Mm -hmm. and so we've we've started to see the wage growth accelerate as unemployment has gotten lower and that's that's what we expect because labor's like any good It, it will follow basic supply and demand what that model would imply and so when when the supply is so low that puts upward pressure on the price, and the price of labor is wages. Let's take another commercial break. When we come back, I want to ask you about how this is impacting our rural communities. Sounds good. When you're stuck out in the cold or want to cozy up in your off-the-grid cabin, a Honda generator gets you going. Stop by DMB Supply to pick up one of these power players. Quiet, lightweight, and fuel-efficient, Honda generators make winter camping, ice fishing, and even power outages more bearable. Take on the elements in a way you can take anywhere. Get all fired up for anything that winter brings and grab a Honda generator at your neighborhood DMB. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at DB Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite DB Supply. Well, Sam, let's talk about rural communities for a second, because Idaho is such a great state and it's so vast. We've got some rural communities that maybe will never feel the influence of all all these people that are moving into our urban centers. But we've got a lot of rural communities that are kind of satellites around these urban centers. How does this growth 
impact those areas? Well, rural areas that are tied to urban centers, mainly in the form of commuting, those counties are doing pretty well. If you think about some of the some of the little rural areas around Boise, where a lot of people there commute into the city to work, those mm-hmm. counties are doing quite well. But some of the more far-flung regions of our state are not performing so well. They're quite isolated, and they're not growing because most of our population growth has been concentrated in, uh, in the urban areas. For example, if you take the, the open rural areas of the state, the population of those areas that's under 55 years old has actually shrunk over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Now, their retirement age population has grown a little bit. That's just because their residents have, you know, they've gotten older and the baby boomers have hit retirement years, but their under 55 population has actually been shrinking. Mm-hmm. And so when your young population is shrinking, it means your economy really can't grow because that's your workforce. Right. Interesting. So are, are we seeing that dynamic that people refer to as rural flight uh, by the by the younger working class population? Uh, we, we definitely are. And a big reason for that in particular is because millennials, kind of as a cultural thing, millennials were pushed to go and get four-year degrees uh, to an extent that previous generations were not. Mm-hmm. And so that meant that a, a much higher proportion of the millennials left their rural communities They went away to college, they got jobs, and they didn't move back. So Idaho is very, very proud of its go-on rates, Mm -hmm. which refers to, you know, the percentage of high schoolers that go on to college. And the go-on rate is great, and we have a a really strong go-on rate, but it doesn't seem that we had very much of a, you might call it a comeback rate after they go on to college. Yeah, that's an interesting puzzle to try and solve as far as bringing people back to our rural communities that, say, are not within commuting distance to these urban centers. Uh, what is the answer there? And not that you know it, but I mean, what are some of the answers that get pontificated? I think that in a lot of these communities, they could make big strides if the kids in their high schools were more aware of the type of job opportunities that they had in their areas. I think specifically of the the rural communities up in my neck of the woods in northern Idaho, and I think about all these great manufacturing companies in places like Sandpoint, and I wonder how many kids are actually aware as they're growing up of the the kind of jobs offered by these companies, and I think if they knew, you'd see more kids who would want to stay in these communities that they grew up in. They like living there, but I don't know how many of the kids are actually aware of the type of career opportunities available to them. That's interesting. And then in our rural communities that are outside that commuting distance, uh, what is the balance of, say, industrial-type jobs like uh, or uh, companies like you're talking about as opposed to agricultural positions? Agriculture is more prevalent in southern Idaho, but it is definitely true that in rural Idaho, you're more reliant on natural resources, be that farming or in the Silver Valley, you have mining or logging and, and wood products. But Idaho has pockets of manufacturing and, and industry all over the state. Well, let's talk about real estate prices for a moment. Uh, certainly what we're seeing here is we're seeing the median house price uh, really, really go up. seems very rapidly. Housing prices seem to be unprecedented. Is this something that uh, is going to be like 2000, 2007, 2008 again? Or is this, are these price increases sustainable? To us, it looks like they're sustainable because most of it's being fueled by people moving here. 
And a lot of them are in great positions to buy their houses, in many cases with cash. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't look like this massively over leveraged real estate market like we saw in 2007, mm-hmm. where the prices were being financed by, you know, all the subprime right. lending. So this, it, it looks much more sustainable. And the other reason is that builders have been much more cautious this time. Building has been slower to pick up. So I don't think we have that, that sort of oversupply that we had where the market was just out of control because it was, it was fueled by all that unsustainable lending. Mm-hmm. We really don't see those conditions right now. Uh, and if you, if you talk to realtors about the inventory that they have, their, their inventory is very, very low. So I think that that minimizes the risks to people in the housing market compared to what we saw a decade ago. Really interesting. Okay. Another commercial break. When we come back, I've got some more questions for you about our rural communities. Sounds great. Know how to work it on and off the job? Wear Dickies with jeans, pants, shirts, and more made for all you hardworking, good-looking types. Find what's fit to be worn at D&B. Since 1922, Dickies has been making it work with denim and other duds that go the distance. These days, Dickies comes in all fits, fabrics, styles, and sizes, but one core thing holds true. They sure do hold up. When you want to wear it well without wearing it out, pick up some Dickies at D&B Supply. In the thick of winter, it's time to think about a thick, full lawn. No, really. At DMB Supply, we plan ahead and carry Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed so you can get a head start, too. For a better lawn this spring, limit foot traffic on those brittle leaves of grass. Sharpen your mower blades and schedule lawn feedings by creating reminders on your phone or calendar. Then pick up some Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed on your next trip to your favorite DMB Supply. All right, Sam. So before the break, we were talking about kind of what's going on with real estate prices and things like that. I wanted to ask you, are we seeing a shift or just changing dynamics with the with the prices of housing going up? I know with, uh, at least here in our, where I live, uh, rental availability is really low and rental prices are going up. So are we seeing people extend their commute times? Are we seeing longer commutes now as a result of these prices? Yeah. So there's definitely an element of urban sprawl to the growth which is partially just because the area is growing and so naturally it's going to spread out. But part of it is also people trying to mitigate costs. And one thing that we've observed that's really interesting is that people are more likely to be rent burdened in rural areas because most of the multifamily construction obviously has gone on in the cities and construction has been much slower to pick up out in the rural areas. Mm -hmm. So it's actually rural Idaho where the housing is in the most limited supply. Oh boy. So there are a lot more rent burdened households uh, in rural Idaho than there are in urban Idaho. So rents are far more affordable in the cities. And you have, you have many counties in Idaho, all of them rural, where upwards of 50% of the renting households there are classified as rent burdened. That means they're paying more than a third of their household income in rent. And so you have up, upwards of half of the households in these counties are burdened like that. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you if it was based on the, the price of the rental or the percentage of the, of the income, but it's the percentage that determines that. Correct. Yeah. Percentage of household income that goes to your, your housing expenses. 
Now, how with with all this influx of population in the state, how far can that influence spread? Meaning, uh, how far away from, say, a Boise or a Twin Falls or a, a Coeur d'Alene or something like that will you see housing prices going up as a result of this influx? Well, there are some remote areas or rural areas that are growing quite quickly, mainly because of I guess we'd just say they're natural amenities because they're beautiful. I mean, you think of areas like McCall or Sandpoint that kind of have a resort vibe. Those areas are, are growing pretty quickly. But beyond that, a lot of it, honestly, will will have to do with internet connectivity. Mm-hmm. Yep. That determines how quickly a lot of these outlying areas can grow. I go to, you know, I attend several economic development type events throughout the year and pretty much everywhere you go, People want to talk about fiber. They want to talk about internet connectivity because that's that's how you let industry and that's how you let jobs spread out to the outlying areas. Mm-hmm. And that's just the world we live in. So part of the answer to your question is open in terms of what's going to happen with internet in these communities. Interesting. And now I have uh, I've read and spoke to people in the past from rural communities who have incredibly good internet as compared to, say, what I have in CUNA, uh, because they've got the state-of-the-art stuff that's been put in so it can reach them. Do we see that in Idaho as well? Yeah, yeah, we're seeing that. Um, like Sandpoint, for example, uh, recently got fiber. So Sandpoint's you know, pretty remote from the nearest big city, but they're going to have great internet up there, and I think that's going to do wonders for them. Well, let's take our final break, and then when we come back, I want to ask you about how a large employer coming into the area, how the dynamics of that kind of impact job growth and population growth. Great. Know what boots work as hard as you do? Georgia Boots, and you'll find a great selection at D&B Supply. If you're on your feet all day, Georgia Boots knows the feeling. That's why they've designed exclusive comfort systems that cushion and support down to the bottom of your soles, while on the surface, they shield you from tough conditions with one of the most durable leathers out there. See why they earned the nickname of America's hardest working boots and pick up a pair of Georgia boots at your favorite D&B Supply. It's a pretty super life here at D&B Supply, even for dogs and cats, because we now carry Wildology, the only pet food with Super Life Pro, a live probiotic blended with superfoods. Wildology is filled with the good stuff your pet needs to support a healthy body and immune system, like wholesome proteins, kale, chia seeds, and blueberries, because a healthy pet makes for a happy pet. Unleash your pet's superpower and pick up Wildology cat and dog food at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Sam. So uh, as we went out, we were talking about uh, like a big employer coming into an area. And I'm asking this for selfish reasons. But uh, here in the Treasure Valley, there is a there's been like this veiled knowledge that Amazon is bringing a distribution center into Nampa. And uh, they're doing it kind of with a different business name and, and a little bit, uh, like I said, a little bit veiled, but I think it's, it's getting to be pretty common knowledge. And they're going to be bringing a lot of jobs into the Valley. So when they do that, there's even more employment, uh, there's more pressure on wages, there's more jobs to fill. How does that impact the population dynamics when you create kind of a, a bit of a vacuum with, with employment like that? So if a big employer comes in, the main thing is going to be what sort of wage they're offering. But if they're offering $16 an hour, $18 an hour, something like that, those are kind of the wages that you hear about sometimes with these big fulfillment centers. Mm -hmm. That's going to put a lot of upward pressure on wages because 
honestly, most of the people that are hired at those distribution centers are going to be people who already have jobs and are they're moving employers to get a higher wage mm-hmm. because the the pool of unemployed of the unemployed right now is not large enough to fill all of Amazon's needs if they come in with a a big distribution center mm-hmm. or some other large any large employer like that. A lot of their hiring is going to be people who already have jobs. I guess we could call it poaching, for lack of a better word. Sure. And that's just that's the way the market works when unemployment is is this low, and it does put upward pressure on wages. So that sort of thing can be really hard for local employers. Yeah. But it's good for workers because it puts it puts pressure on their wages, even if they don't go work for Amazon that presence in the market would put upward pressure on their wages. Yeah. So there's always kind of a give and a take or a balancing act as these things are developing. Yeah. And in general, the labor market is a lot like the housing market because in the housing market, you know, we have this term sellers and buyers market because generally something that's good for a seller is bad for a buyer and Mm -hmm. vice versa. Mm -hmm. Well, you have the same dynamic in the labor market. So you have things that are good for employers and you have things that are good for workers. Uh, And generally they're bad for the other party because that's just how markets work. And it's frustrating, but it's definitely good for workers when you have a big employer coming in, if they're offering a really competitive wage that can drive wages up. Now, when you when we have a large employer come in, like let's say that what everybody suspects happens and it brings in 10,000 jobs. I don't know. I'm just throwing that number out. I don't know if that's true or even close to true. Yeah. But let's use that as a hypothetical for a second. How does that impact the need for ancillary jobs out in the community to provide services, to provide groceries and all of that to uh, this new influx of people that uh, that should be arriving to fill these positions? Do we, do we see more development of even more positions to service all these people? Yeah. So all industries have what we call an economic multiplier effect. And what that means is they don't just provide the jobs that they directly support, mm-hmm. but they also have a supply chain. And then their employees earn more money and spend more money. And so that supports more economic activity. And so the multiplier effect really will vary by industry because some industries have a more intense local supply chain. And so that will support more economic activity. Perhaps a a warehousing type industry, their supply chain might be distributed all over the country Mm -hmm. because they're selling products from all over. So it's going to vary by industry, but certainly all economic activity has a multiplier beyond just the jobs that they support. Well, you know, I guess this growth is it's inevitable and you've got people who don't like it. You've got people that are, are loving it. And uh, it's fascinating either way. I really do appreciate you coming on today and providing us some insight into it. Really, really interesting stuff, Sam. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.